0: We're back here on the Purdue University campus for episode nine of Dig City, a Purdue volleyball podcast. I'm Daniel Gilman, joined by head coach Dave Shondell. Following another successful weekend and coach as the season dwindles along, can you believe we're already episode nine and just two more home matches left of the regular season?
1: No, kinda hard to believe how fast this season goes by, and I tell our players that when the season begins that you know, hang on and, uh, you know, don't try to get too far ahead of yourself because this is going to go really, really fast. And it has, but it's gone very well also, which uh, which is nice for our team.
0: And you mentioned to me in the pre-match interview on Friday before Ohio State that they would be one of two very talented teams left on the schedule, I assume. The other one was, was Michigan, who cracked into the top 25. And how impressed were you of the team and and the grit that they showed against an Ohio State team that came in pretty deadly?
1: Well, I think every team in our league is pretty talented, to be honest with you, and uh, including Rutgers, who we play uh, first this week. I I really like uh, Rutgers. But Michigan um, traditionally has been one of the upper half teams in a very, very good conference, and we're going to have to be ready for them. But, uh, you know, we we had a good weekend. Our, Our team played very well against Ohio State. Who, you know is young uh, and going to get better and better. They'll be a team that a lot of people will be talking about for years to come in our league. And Maryland's in the same boat. I'm not sure Maryland played a senior against us. You might know more than I because you had the roster in front of you all night uh, calling the play-by-play. But Maryland has a lot of good young players, and I really like the way that uh, they, they coach that team. They, they do a really, really good job um adam hughes is just a a terrific terrific coach he's positive and those players respond to him well and when you have a young team like that that's a really good approach so i don't think that they're going to make the tournament this year looks like they're out of of the mix right now ohio state though is i think a team that will get in um and uh, i don't think anybody wants to see the buckeyes come into their place for the first or second round of the ncaa tournament because they could beat about anybody
0: Ohio State's sitting at 49 in the RPI right now, and we'll talk later in the that episode. That is, that's
1: absolute bubble. You you couldn't have picked a better bubble number than 49 because that's the number I always look at. That you better be in the top 48 um, if you want to get an at-large bid, because uh, all the conferences will eat up uh, the rest of that, and so they are on the bubble, but they got some work some work still to do.
0: Nothing better than some tournament talk, and while this is our last episode before the Selection Sunday reveal. On the first Sunday of December, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode. Illinois is at 45. That's another interesting one is the Illini really need to finish strong in order to just get over 500, which is a uh, prerequisite to making the tournament. But, Coach, let's start by talking about a couple of the storylines from this past weekend and just the second half of the season, because one thing that you haven't really talked about too much that you started the season with is how young your team is, and your freshmen are now playing like upperclassmen in terms of of their composure and their grit. And it all starts with with Maddie Skimmerhorn, who's leading one of the best defenses in the Big Ten. And then it goes to the the decision to bring in Maddie Chin this weekend. And you called her a big X factor on Friday.
1: Well, Skimmerhorn um, already has become a real crowd favorite in our gym. Uh, She smiles all the time. She has as positive of, of an attitude as any player that I have ever coached and just bring so many intangibles to our gym that uh, you know she's worth her weight in gold as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we did start Maddie Chin. We had to because she has been too good in practice to not start her. And even though we were, we were rolling really well with Emma Ellis, and Emma is, is, a, is a really, really good option, but I just kept watching Chin in practice. And I work on both sides of the floor when we're doing a lot of team play. And I'm, I'm over there watching Chin, and I'm thinking she's doing everything she could possibly do to earn a, a starting opportunity, her attitude, her work ethic, uh, her cohesion she has with teammates, hitting the ball, she hit some of the hardest shots in the gym this past weekend, uh, and she's six foot three. And so there's so many good things about her that we felt like I needed we we needed to give her that opportunity, and then she took full advantage of it.
0: And then let's talk a little bit about Grace Cleveland and just the climb that she's made because I noted. I had a feeling things would turn around, so I wrote down against Ohio State and Nebraska that tough road trip for her, where she only combined for nine kills. She was hitting two twelve on the season. She has risen all the way in just three weeks to hitting two sixty, and that's just a testament. Not, I mean, we're not even talking about the aces right now. She's turned into a true serving specialist as well, a stat stuff for every single match.
1: Grace is one of the best players in the league. Um, I think if you talk to the. Uh, the head coaches that have been around for a long time and understand what true uh, talent and skill is in this league. Um, when they play Purdue, they, they're going to start with the name Grace Cleveland because she gets a lot of sets. And, uh, you know, we have a, a lot of people that are right there with her, but I think that she's the name that a lot of people are, are pointing towards. And, and when she has tough matches, sometimes it's not that Grace didn't play at a, at a high level, it's just that the defenses just decided they're going to pinpoint her and they were going to try to really go out and shut her down and that hasn't happened as much uh since we've gotten back home and and she's gotten on a real roll and um as long as she's playing with great belief you know I believe she's one of the top six or seven players in the league
0: and as we move on from that I think one thing that is just so impressive to look at and I was watching Florida play Kentucky yesterday in the SEC and, and sometimes it's it's a Something you take for granted, beaten up on unranked teams, and, and you look at both of their schedules and the win for Kentucky there in five sets helped out Purdue's RPI as well. But it, it got me thinking about how the Boilermakers have not lost to an unranked Big Ten team since 2017. And so when you look at something like that and you avoid the losses to the, to the Ohio States that are talented but just on the precipice of being ranked like Wisconsin suffered the loss last week and avoiding those bad losses, has Purdue ranked for eight, nine years in a row, what, what do you do to, to, to build your team up for that kind of match every single time, get them mentally engaged to, to avoid a crazy loss against a, a Big Ten foe?
1: Well, that is something that our staff takes a lot of pride in. Uh, a lot of that is preparation, uh, both physical preparation with, you know, what we're going to do on the floor against somebody. But a lot of it is night after night after night making sure your team is ready to play. And a lot of that falls on your, your player leadership. A lot of it falls on the kind of people you recruit. It's what you do in your gym every day. You just don't allow moments where teams, your team is going to drift away that every single night in this in this league is important, and which is why uh, you were part of the trip out to Rutgers. We knew we had to be ready to play those guys. We know we'll be, have to be ready to play them when they come here. So it, it, we work really hard. I, I, I really am diligent about making sure our team is, is geared up to play every single match because those are the kind of losses that you think could really hurt you if you lose to a team. Although there are teams that you mentioned, non-ranked teams in our league, that are really, really good. I mean, you know, like when we beat Ohio State and Maryland this weekend, I felt great about it because those are two teams that can beat a lot of people. Maryland won't make the NCAA tournament this year because they just don't have enough wins, but they're going to be better than 25 teams in the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, okay? Uh, And Ohio State's, you know, a a legitimate contender uh, and should be in the NCAA tournament if they can get to to that 500 mark. So uh, what we have to do, though, Daniel, is beat more of – you know, the heavy hitters. You know, we've got to be able to get uh, teams like Penn State and Nebraska and Minnesota and and Wisconsin uh, on a more regular basis, and we're working on that. And and certainly um, with the win over Nebraska this year, the win at Kentucky, those are two top ten RPI teams. So, you know, the committee talks about the value of that. It's not just about where your placement is in the RPI. It's who have you beaten? What does your – Uh, schedule and results look like. It's the whole picture and I think we're putting together a pretty good picture for him this year.
0: And so no more heavyweights left in this schedule but we've got a a good humdinger of a race for the five spot with Michigan at 11 and 5, Purdue at 10 and 6 and then after Michigan plays Michigan State they've got Purdue twice and IU twice, Purdue's got Rutgers and then Michigan State aside from from Michigan so it's it's going to be Obviously, you know a, a heck of a battle there. But when you look at the the history at Michigan, and there's a little bit of trouble there, how can you kind of shed that and then go into the Wolverines after seeing them four days later? What what is the prep? Where does the prep go into it when you have something like that where you play the same team in, in a five day span?
1: Well, you know, Michigan is has traditionally been, a, as I mentioned, a really good team. We actually, I think, went four years in a row without losing to Michigan until last year. And um, then they beat us twice. No, they beat us once. We only played it one time last year. Uh, But Michigan is is a team that you want to see intensity. You know, watch the bench, uh, the coaching staff for Michigan coach. Uh, Their teams play with that kind of intensity. They're always well-prepared. and, you know, I don't think that they're going to lose to a lot of teams that they shouldn't lose to either because I think they take take it pretty serious. But we will work really hard to get ready for them, even though they're the second match of this week. At least we have two days in between our match with Rutgers on Wednesday and the match with uh, uh, the Wolverines on Saturday. And we will, you know, be, be very well prepared for them. And then the fact that you play them again um, on Wednesday, uh, the next week right before Thanksgiving, you don't have to go back to the drawing board again. You know, you'll look at that match that you played against them. You'll watch a lot of that tape. What did they try to do against you? How they try to hurt you? Uh, what was successful for us? Um, what can we expect that they might do differently? All those are things that you put into to the mix. And Michigan's been playing a pretty similar lineup for a long time. You go back. I watched uh, four matches of theirs yesterday. And they were pretty much the same outfit. You know, there wasn't a lot of changes to what they were doing. So uh, they've got a great system. They run a lot of uh, backcourt attack. Uh, Paige Jones is maybe leading the league uh, in kills per game. Gets a lot of swings. Got a really fast arm. Uh, then the other outside hitter, Westerstrom, is just is just as good. And uh, they got a powerful middle and some athletes, uh, some freshmen, really good athletes, and a great setter. So they'll be hard to beat. But uh, you know, our objective is to to do that and keep moving forward and continue this momentum that we're on right now.
0: Yep, eight straight wins over Michigan from 2011 to 2016. You've been able to correct me a few times on this podcast, Coach. I think this is the first time I'm able to correct you. It was 2017. Michigan beat Purdue both times, and then 2018 okay. the the lopsided one in Ann Arbor. So now Purdue trying to snap... I try to forget the losses. Purdue trying to snap a three-match losing streak against Michigan. And so, you know, we can kind of parlay this into the the wins against unranked foes because that was the last time Purdue lost a Big Ten unranked match. And so as you look at Michigan's RPI, 35, Purdue at 21, in your opinion, what needs to happen for the Boilermakers to host for the first time since 2012?
1: Well, I I think that... The easiest way would be to win all four matches, um, which is a major challenge for us. Um, I think we could go three and one and still have an outside shot. It's just the the, 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 the mystery is what's the committee really looking at? And, you know, you, you keep mentioning RPI and where ours is and where Michigan's is. And and that's that's the issue in itself is that too much stock is put into that metric. And the committee will tell you, no, we don't put that much into the RPI. We look at all these things, but everything they look at draws back to the RPI. Okay, what's your strength of schedule? That is based on the RPI. What uh, big wins do you have? Based on the RPI. And the, one of the issues that the Big Ten has is let's not look at me, for example. Let's look at Michigan. Michigan has lots of has no 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 really good wins. If you pull them up. The problem is that their record against top 25 is not that good because all the teams in the top 25 that they're playing are in the top 10.
0: Happened to us last year. That yeah. was the reason, yeah.
1: And and so there needs to be more, I think, clarification. Um, like I know last year our losses were to maybe – four of the best teams in the country. Maybe four of the top five teams in the country. Most of those losses we had came to those teams, and they were comparing us with teams who were losing to 17, 23, 24, 25. There's a huge difference, okay, between, I'm just going to say, I'm not sure who would have been 24 or 25 last year, but – it could have been western kentucky who's got a great program and they weren't that good last year. So this year though, yeah. they're right there with us.
0: A team like uh, Texas State I think was in the 20s okay, yeah. last a, year. Rice. A pretty
1: significant difference between Texas State and Penn State or Texas State and um, Nebraska. So um, and again, I think nothing against, you know, Texas State, but it's just you, you got to compare, you know, reality and sometimes I think that we just look at numbers and I get that part too. You don't want to have a bias. You don't want to say, well, because they're in the Big Ten, they, they should get this benefit. And they should not. But we, we need to have people on there that can really evaluate. And, and if One way we do that would be use a variety of metrics. Don't just use the one formula. Maybe compare three of them and see what the average comes out with those. Have people on that committee that really watch volleyball like dogs. I mean, they're just watching it all the time. And then they have a better field. They do have more coaches on that committee now than ever before. That's a relief. Because at least you have that mentality that that people on there know, okay, well, I've watched this team and I watched that team. I was watching a conference a match the other night, a Power five conference, and I'm watching that match. And I'm thinking, man, we're in a different world than, than those guys and uh, and we are, and people know that, um, but not numbers don't won't necessarily show that. The metric doesn't always show that.
0: And that's what's so that's so interesting about when you when you break it down. And I'm not saying that Michigan is in the hunt for hosting, so that's why it's hard to compare Purdue versus Michigan there because 35 is way different than 21 in the RPI. But Michigan's best wins are Notre Dame and Illinois, and in the pre-conference they lost their two tests with Missouri and Dayton. So when you look at Purdue and their their best wins, could be it really could be Purdue's best win since. the the four top 10 wins in 2017 with seven ranked seventh RPI Nebraska, and now Kentucky at the eight RPI spot. If the Boilermakers can knock off Michigan, it would be hard at a 14 and six mark. First time that the Boilermakers have had 14 or more conference wins since 2011. It would be hard to keep them off of that top 16, uh, bid line. And then another thing, which is interesting to talk about coach that I think a lot of people are speculating about is would it be better in terms of the pool of teams coming to Purdue how would that compare to whether you know to the comparison of the Boilermakers going to somewhere like Marquette somewhere down like Texas A&M because there are such talent in the 20s and 30s in the Midwest yeah. western Kentucky may be coming to town different teams like that may be coming to town but obviously you can't we're just speculating yeah, we're not saying it, we're not saying you know you want to choose one over the other it's just an interesting debate
1: yeah i'd rather be here if we have our, our choice Um, because we have not lost uh, a first or second round match at Purdue in the last 17 years, so I would rather be here. But you're absolutely right. We could face lesser competition by going on the road than we might here because Notre Dame could be here, Louisville could be here, Dayton could be here, Cincinnati could be here. uh, Who knows who else could come here? Um, But uh, those things, you know, after 17 years here – I I've learned to just take what we get and deal with it. You know, I, I people thought I got worked up in 2015 when we were 21 and 10 and 12 and 8 in the Big 10 and because a lot of teams on our schedule had really bad years, our RPI bottomed out and we were right around 49 or 50 and we didn't make the tournament. And yet we were a top 20 team all season. And uh but at the end of the day, life goes on and and you just learn from that. And you have to learn how to predict the future, I guess, on how good teams are going to be on your schedule. And, uh, but we've done a better job, and, and we're in a position right now where I think that I think we can beat anybody in the country with this team. And, um, you know, we've, we've lost some close battles to some really good teams, and we've knocked off some really good teams. So um, I feel really good about the direction we're going, and, and we'll just, you know, wait. Let's, let's play four matches first, and then uh, see what the committee comes up with.
0: And if Purdue were to knock off the next two at home, once again, best home record since in terms of of wins and loss since that 2011 team that only lost one mm. in Holloway. So that would point towards uh, a little bit more favor of of hosting some NCAA tournament matches.
1: Well, the other thing is is we've been on TV. There's so much more TV now that the people on the committee have to have to use that. And I know that maybe that's not fair to some of the uh, non Power Five conferences that aren't on TV as much. But let's just use that then to compare within the Power Five conferences, okay? You've got to use the eyeball to be able to evaluate. If that means that somebody's better than us, fine, okay? But if, if, if you're watching us play and then you go watch somebody from one of the other Power Five conferences and you've seen enough of that, these people on this committee, that should be part of the criteria. I've got to know the game of volleyball. and I've got to be able to compare. I can do that. I can watch teams play and say, I don't want to play that team or I'd like to play that team. And and the committee should be able to do the same thing. So now as
0: we kind of move forward with this, obviously Selection Sunday coming up soon. It's a Sunday
1: right after our last... uh,
0: Yeah, so the 1st of December, 6 o'clock, ESPNU, Mm -hmm. hopefully whatever uh, low-level college basketball game that they (laughs) decide to air at 4.15 will be over by 6 (laughs) o'clock. That's always a fun little uh, race to the finish line, and that game usually goes to overtime just to spite volleyball fans around the country. But we'll have a podcast Mm -hmm. the following day, so December 2nd, we'll be able to uh, really dive into... Different things around the country, the, the top four seeds, for one, for one thing. You're a voter, and the new AVCA poll comes out soon. And Coach, what, who would you say right now would be the top four seeds that are all hosting towards the, uh, the regionals?
1: Well, Texas or Baylor, I don't think both. They'll play uh, I I, They're, they're going to play Wednesday. They play uh, two days from now. Well, depending on whenever this is aired. Sorry about that. You'll have to cut that one out. Um, Texas or Baylor will get one. Um, I'm leaning towards Texas based on the results of their last match. Stanford, most likely, uh, will have another one. I think Wisconsin, if they win the league, uh, will have a third. And uh, the fourth is, is kind of up in the air. Uh, Pittsburgh um, looks good RPI-wise. They look good in the rankings. Um, the ACC has not been a super league this season. Uh, even Louisville – who was really good early lost their best player about six weeks ago, and that's hurt, uh, you know, their RPI and their win loss. But because Pitt is hosting the whole affair, or I guess Duquesne's hosting it, maybe Duquesne and Pitt, but then in the Final Four is in Pittsburgh. I'm sure that uh, you know they may have an opportunity also to host. Otherwise, it could be Nebraska or Minnesota um, or even Penn State that could be the fourth. But uh, I think the fourth one is still up in the air. But I would say Wisconsin, Stanford. And Texas are going to be three of those, if I was to guess right now, and the fourth one could be up in the air.
0: And then so much is surely going to come down to uh, that weekend at Rec Hall, where Wisconsin plays at Penn State the 29th, and Minnesota plays at Penn State the 30th. And at the moment, Wisconsin with the one loss, Nebraska, Penn State, and Minnesota all have the two losses Got to love how close that is. It's going to be fun. Well,
1: it's been fun. It would be more fun if we were one of those teams right there in the hunt. Um, And we're we're inching closer to that. But, boy, I, I thought Penn State was really good when we played them at rec hall and I had some conversation with Russ after that. And, and he felt like they had played at a, at a really high level against us, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But Minnesota is so stoic. They just continue to play at a really high level. They did lose the home one home match to Wisconsin, which was a great win for chef and company. Um, And then Nebraska just kind of is, they're just kind of waiting the wings right there. I don't know what all they have left, but they may be the team that just kind of uh, slips in there by doing some work early and letting the other others play it out. Do you know what? Who else they have? Um, yeah, coming up. I know that I. I don't know if they have maybe in Illinois or who they have down the stretch here.
0: I, I don't think. I think they they've got this upcoming weekend at Minnesota and oh, Wisconsin, okay. which so, is going to be unbelievable. But what what really confuses me is why Penn well, State. Well, they're not going
1: to slip in anywhere then if they got to play those two. Where are those at home?
0: Those are on the road, both of them. So they okay. got to go on that vaunted. So Minnesota. there's a lot to
1: be lot to be determined still with yeah. those four teams. And then Nebraska
0: finishes at home against Maryland and Ohio State. And that's saying, the
1: difference. See, ours was front loaded. Yep, you know, no, we, we had, had all those people early, and then you know the back end, we haven't had quite as uh, as many uh, headhunters.
0: But what really confuses me, and this will be our last kind of talking point on the subject, is why. He, You've got the the bulk of Big Ten teams on the RPI right now, with Wisconsin three, Minnesota six, Nebraska seven, but then Penn State down at thirteen. And when you look at Penn State's resume, they don't have a bad loss. Their losses are to Nebraska, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, and Stanford, and they have wins over Pittsburgh and That's about and, and, and Oregon a, and well, Illinois. Well, Oregon's and, not very good.
1: And Purdue. But, well, Oregon really at bought the time this year. Right. At yeah. the time
0: they were ten though. So when you look yeah. at that. Do you, well, that's another thing. Do they look at what the record no, was at the time? The heavens, no. You're
1: not going to look at the record. That, that's what, when people expected them as early season, you look at where they are right now and what they've what they've turned into. Uh, but the, the only issue with Penn State is they don't have a lot of uh, what you would call signature wins yet, but they've got an opportunity to, to pick those up. And their schedule has not been, when you look at their Big Ten schedule, I think that they played one of the other top teams, maybe twice, Wisconsin. They're going to play Wisconsin twice.
0: Yeah, they'll play Wisconsin twice. But they played Nebraska
1: once, and they played Minnesota once. And yeah. so it, it was a, a year where they should, um, with the tradition that they've got, they should have had a good uh, win-loss record at the end of the day, and they have.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting to me to look at Pittsburgh in the top five and the fact that their lone loss all season is the five-setter at Penn State. And so why that isn't 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 in more consideration for Penn State, excuse me, the sweep. It was a sweep at Penn State, and then Pittsburgh won the five-setter in Pittsburgh. So no,
1: Penn State won that one. You said Pittsburgh. Penn State won um, at uh, Pittsburgh. So they split. You're right. Pittsburgh and swept then, Penn State right. and then lost. And then, in then the Pittsburgh. Five-setter. I don't know what what wins Pittsburgh has that are um, pushing them up to the second-ranked team in in, in the country. I, 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 I is an honest question. I don't know what they are. So I'd like to see if you could pull them up and see what what. What the big wins are? They've
0: got a sweep over Cincinnati, a sweep over Ohio State, yeah, and then they beat Oregon when they were ranked. They're not ranked, so Utah's probably right now their best win—a four-set win over Utah and then a sweep over Penn State. But then if you go into ACC play, yeah, that's where it gets it gets a little puzzling because no yeah. one in the ACC is currently ranked. well.
1: Pitt was really good last year. And so, you know, you start the year with – you know they've got a great nucleus, and so they start up pretty high, and they got the win over Penn State. They, they, they gained a lot of credit for splitting with Penn State, but Penn State get, didn't get the same fate apparently. All
0: right, so now let's uh, go into our final little segment, fifth set with Sean Dell, and, and we'll do a little bit of uh, – of- uh, looking glass into the future. And so, with the two middles graduating this season in Catino and Moeller, and a reminder that senior day on Saturday moved to a one o'clock start against Michigan. So, tell your loved ones, tell all your friends, make sure you're in a holiday in your seat a little before one o'clock on Saturday, this upcoming, uh, what is it, the 24th Could of be. November? It's uh 23rd of November. So, uh, and so, with those two graduating, we welcome in uh, a middle and an opposite in Lourdes Myers, and then uh, a middle in Taylor Trammell. And so, if you want to spend a little time talking about them,
1: yeah, two really athletic young women uh, coming this way. I, I know they are both top seventy uh, recruits in the country, which I don't, you know, really put a, a great amount of stock in that. I'm really more interested in what they're going to turn into uh, when they get into a you know a Division one program and have the opportunity to be trained and compete. But uh, Taylor is a six foot two inch, experienced middle out of Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, As I mentioned before, plays for a really good friend of mine. And she's been playing 18 open level volleyball for three years now. And I think that really will help her um, because she's played against some of the best middles in the country in in prep and, and club volleyball. And very humble. Fairly quiet, but very determined young woman. That uh, I, I love her. I love her family. I, I think that she's going to be a great addition to our program, and I think that she should be very much ready to compete for a spot. You know, when she gets here. Then out of Alliance, Ohio, uh, we have Lourdes Myers, and uh, Lourdes is somebody that when you when you just watch her, you just know she's got to be a great volleyball player. I mean, she is long. She's probably six two plus maybe the longest arms of any player i've ever ever coached and uh, is a terrific blocker just naturally that was the first thing when i watched her play in a gym in the convention center in indianapolis i was just blown away by how many balls she blocked in about a 30 minute time and she just has great feel for getting her hands over the net and seeing what's going on and uh that was that was what really sold me on her initially and uh, she's got some work to do offensively and um I, I like the, the fact that she's got a high high ceiling and so both those both those players are exactly what we needed because our two seniors who will graduate Blake and uh, Shavana on uh, this December uh, are middles and we're gonna have to fill some holes
0: and so will these two uh, players be coming in in the summer
1: they'll come in in June yeah. Um, you know, we have two other players we can't talk about right now because they haven't been admitted officially. Um, and they'll all come in. Three of those will come in. Three of our senior uh, arriving freshmen will come in in June. One will actually be here in January.
0: All right. So that sounds good. A little bit of a tease mm-hmm. moving forward. And so it's it's crazy to say, but the next time mm-hmm. we'll be talking to you guys, we will know where Purdue is headed for good old December madness. So until then, thanks so much for joining us, Coach. Thanks so much for sitting Thanks, down Daniel.
1: Here. Appreciate it. And a lot of a lot of work to do, as I mentioned. In a-
0: Saturday, Senior Day, episode ten coming the first Monday of December, where Coach and I can break down the bracket and kind of uh, kind of decide where Purdue is is headed and and figure everything out from then. So thanks so much for joining us. This is episode nine of Dig City Purdue Volleyball. Be back in a couple weeks.